is a non-save reliever who's absolutely awesome, is invisible to everybody except fans of that specific team. Yeah, I mean, we've learned a lot about how users like to interact with, uh, with mobile applications, which is uh, always the exact opposite way that you design them. Uh, <laughs> What I always wanted to see, though, if there's like a low-flying home run ball, see a guy chuck his glove up at it to try and knock it and save it for a triple. And welcome to episode number 204 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we are standing 460 feet away from Teoscar Hernandez at all times, just in case. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the indestructible Joshua Housem. <laughs> we're gonna just dis- dispute that one a bit later but <laughs> yeah yeah that's I, that's why i said that uh you're still standing even though you're maybe a little little crooked in the stance these days uh we're gonna do that later first we are gonna talk about the blue jays sweeping the season series of the braves um which is awesome uh they they finished off the sweep before we recorded the podcast so it was nice we can talk about everything in the past tense uh, we're going to talk about the superlative performances of uh, Marcus Semien, Teoscar Hernandez, and Bo Bichette over the last week, and the uh, the extremely well-timed slump and one good game from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, we're going to go over the rotation, which consists of Robbie Ray, who's decent, Hyunjin Ryu, who's still great, uh, Mats and Stripling, who are serviceable, and an adventure in someone called Nate Pearson, which I'm still not sure what happened there. Uh, I, we might devote more time to that than anything else. Is Danny Jansen an automatic out? The debate rages, and we will give you real numbers coming up soon. We have an injury update that we're literally going to read from Twitter because there were so many things on it, we couldn't possibly keep track of it ourselves. And then an interview with Dr. Mike Sun, uh, a man who is dedicated to trying to uh, minimize injuries and maximize quality pitching out there. He's going to talk to us all about that. We have your questions, and we have a gold star for our hero and our large adult son, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Josh, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I am good. Thank you very much for asking. I care. I do. I want you to be good. I want the Jays to be good. I want everything to be good. And sometimes things aren't so good. But this this is the exception. The Jays lost the series in Houston. They did come out with a win um, on the back of some of the cheapest home runs in history, as we had discussed at the time. Uh, and then they, they swept away any bad feelings from the series loss by absolutely taking it to the Braves by repeatedly destroying their bullpen in the late innings. Sure did. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was fun. It's been a fun week. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. The team is now four games over 500 at 20 and 16. Someone pointed out that is a 90-win pace. Uh, I could live with that. I don't know if that's going to keep up, but also, many people have pointed out two teams that the Blue Jays have not played. Can you tell me what two teams those are, Josh? Orioles and Tigers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, this is the thing. So, just before we get on to other things, like the Jays' April and May schedule is brutal. It's like really, really good teams. I mean, Atlanta hasn't been as good as they're supposed to be, but they're still a talented team, and you can see why it'd be tough to face them. And then they get like nine or 10 games against the Orioles in June. I mean, it's like they, they haven't played any bad teams yet other than, I don't know, Texas maybe, but like, or Kansas city when Kansas city was red hot. So I, I think that it's as long as they can not have more catastrophic injuries, 
<laughs> touch wood. Not enough um, wooden plank in the world to save you from that one, Josh. But <laughs> sure, aren't. Um, isn't? Uh, but uh, yeah, they, then they should be actually in really good shape. Uh, so the guys who have rounded into form that are worth talking about, we will start with Marcus Semyon. You were excited to talk about him and uh, how things have been going at the top of the lineup. Hit me with some numbers. Yeah, so Marcus Semyon had an interesting start to the season where he was hitting some home runs and then doing uh, pretty much nothing since. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of nothing. (laughs) Frightening. Yeah. So before that first Atlanta series, or after the first game of that first Atlanta series, he was hitting 211 with a 290 on base and a 368 slugging. That's a 658 OPS. Now, after today's game, He's hitting 271 with a 333 on base and a 472 slugging for an 806 OPS. And he's got two wins above replacement almost by baseball perspective, baseball reference, and one and a half by fan graphs on pace to being putting up the kind of numbers that he basically put up in 2019 because he's been so good defensively at second base. That is a crazy turnaround in a very short period of time. Like, uh, I'm happy, but it is it is it, the the early season swings in numbers are so so crazy when you when you dug yourself an early hole or when you're you know surging early everything kind of gets out of whack and it's hard for the I think just generally human brain to wrap itself around exactly how quickly that can change as opposed to how long it takes to see the effects of a slump say at the beginning of August. Yeah, so I mean. It, there's nothing but good things to say, essentially, though, about, about Semyon. I mean, if he can keep up, obviously not the crazy hot streak that he's been on, but just at this overall season level of performance, the Jays will absolutely have gotten their money's worth. Yeah. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez went on the COVID um, IL because he had symptomatic COVID. Um, I felt bad for him. I think we all felt bad for him. We were hoping he would come back. There was, you know, obviously we were concerned. Does he have long-term impact? Uh, it, is he rusty? I think was another big question because he didn't really have a triple A AAA team to go down and you know take a couple games back with. Other than maybe his first game, he he's been on a tear since he came back. He sure has. I mean, when he when he went down, he'd actually hit a home run in the game before he went down and went two for five. But his line even after that was two thirty five with a two thirty five on base, so <laughs> no walks and a four twelve slugging. Since then, he has hit 372 with a 431 on base and a 605 slugging percentage to bring his overall season line up to 304 with a 353 on base and a 506 slugging. Like, he's just on fire. If if Marcus Semien is hot, then I don't know how you describe Hernandez. So this puts us back into a situation where, again, I, I – we tend to do this comparison, or I do because it's easy, is when the Blue Jays had um, Jose Bautista and Edwin Arcanacion batting 3-4 or 2-3 or you know however they were in the lineup, um, it, it's extremely difficult to pitch around two elite power hitters in a row, um, especially one with you know incredible on-base skills and another one who, you know in the, in the old case, didn't strike out very much, didn't walk very much either. If Teoscar and Vlad Jr. are in a groove at the same time, which is not the case right now, you have that kind of impact. You have two guys with an OPS floating around 1,000. There's there's nowhere to go if you're a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, 
this is the upside that people talk about with this lineup, right? Because you have Bobachat who's doing Bobachat things. He's hitting just fine. Um, you have Simeon. You have Vlad and you have Teoscar. That's the top four in the lineup, not in that order. But <laughs> <laughs> they're all hitting well overall. And then when you add Springer to that mix, in theory, <laughs> it's like it's a deadly first five spots in the lineup. And I, I just don't know how you deal with that. Like, I, I, it's really, really strong. Well, yeah, you see those because you, you get someone on base out of that group every time that you go through that group, pretty much unless, you know, you're facing um, uh, Max Scherzer or... or uh, uh, Shane Bieber or somebody like that. You, you get one of those guys on each time you go through the group. You you tend to see them every other inning. You're facing a couple of those guys. Um, yeah, it adds up. It adds up very quickly. Bo Bichette, Yeah, he continues to do Bo Bichette things. I, I look up a lot and Bo Bichette is on base. Uh, and often he's just hit a frozen rope of a double. For a guy who, I don't know, he Teoscar Hernandez and Vlad Jr. look like they're going to kill the baseball. Uh, Bo just looks so innocent at times. And then when he makes contact, it's so violent. It's a lot of fun to watch. Sure is. They are. They, it's funny you put it that way because they're just really entertaining to watch those three guys hit right now. Well, and, and in general, because, I mean, the, the next cheap home run that Teoscar Hernandez hits will be his first. I mean, like, <laughs> holy moly, does he hit bombs. Which is my opening tagline, that 464-footer, his his two-run shot to put the Jays up 4-1 the other night, was the second longest of his career. It's like, yeah, you're you're right in your perfect groove right now. Don't don't rush to uh to do anything but whatever you're doing. Please continue. So yeah, I'm perfectly fine with all of that. With all of that offense, um, it comes that your starting pitching does not have to be perfect to get you into a part where you can you can score some runs in a ball game. Uh, and I believe the Blue Jays scored since our last podcast. They scored nine runs once or twice. Twice, I believe. Twice, uh, which you know, I, anytime I can crank out the hashtag is fine. They scored eight to finish the series in Atlanta, which looked like it was going to be a close game. It was like what three two in the. Six. <laughs> well, they they were losing. Yeah, they were losing four to three going into the eighth. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so you get uh, Robbie Ray, who has uh, again he's walked a guy, a guy since our last podcast. Um, but he struck out nine and walked none, and then he struck out ten and walked one in those two starts. Uh, so when he gets hit for a couple of home runs, which has happened, uh, and he last five or I think he's last six innings in both starts, um, and gives up three runs that puts this lineup in the position to win every game he starts. If he keeps doing that. Yeah. I mean, Robbie Ray is, has the highest first pitch strike percentage of his career, highest strike zone percentage of his career. And he has an above average walk rate <laughs> it's like but then i mean it shows how crazy it's been since when he had a game when he walked six he walked nine batters in his first two outings in 10 innings and since then he has walked one in 24 and two-thirds with 33 strikeouts and yeah he's given up seven bombs in that time which seven bombs in 24 innings isn't really that good but again like if you're not giving up other base runners who cares yeah, I mean, he is not 
uh, the second coming of, of anything. But if you need a guy to be in that two, three slot and, and again, he's not using up a ton of pitches and doing the five and dive or getting through four and a third, right? Five or right. six innings, every start. So, okay. You know where you're at most of the time with Robbie Ray, that is, a, it's not perfect, but it's a big asset to have is like, okay, because we will we will talk about the problem with the fifth slot in this rotation as we go forward here. Um, Kyunjin Ryu is, of course, like Robbie Ray on steroids, which is to say he goes the extra inning or inning and a third, and he allows less runs, and he strikes out almost as many people. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how lucky are we that, that Kyunjin Ryu is a Blue Jay? I mean, it's just... Do you know how many, how many outings he's had this year where he's walked more than one batter? None. No, none. One. Oh, yeah. none. Okay. No, none. Yeah, he's walked yeah. a batter five times and no batters twice. He's he's just a master at the art of pitching. He changes speed so well in, out, up, down. And even when his velocity's down a little bit, like it was in that Oakland game when he got hit a little bit, he still minimized the damage. And then, you know, against Atlanta, he was just they had no hope. He just carved them up. He gave the one solo shot and then nothing else. Which again, you 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 get seven innings out of him. And all of a sudden, the bullpen solution isn't that difficult, even though the bullpen is not the, the bullpen that we were talking about at the beginning of the year. Um, and then you have Stephen Matz, who is uh, has, has his good days and bad, I guess, but that's perfectly serviceable. And Ross Stripling finally, to me, put together a start that that boosted my hope that Ross Stripling will use the appropriate tools at the appropriate times to get through five innings. Sure didn't start that way, though. My goodness. Very first pitch of the game, Ronald Cooney hit like 440 <laughs> feet. And then he, he gave up two. Well, yeah, but he, then he gave another run and another couple base runners in that inning. I mean, they were just like, oh, my God, is he going to get out of the first? And then he didn't give up anything the rest of the game, and he struck out nine. Yeah, sometimes your bad inning is your first inning. We've seen the Jays take yeah. that and, and and turn it into wins in Tampa, right? Yeah, um, and I want to go quickly back to something you said about Ryu and and the bullpen. The combination of that and the offense was really interesting in that game because uh, in the first game of the series, the the Robbie Ray start, it's they went with Chatwood in the eighth. Chatwood, by the way, we didn't have him on our list, but Chatwood has been like the best reliever in baseball <laughs> or among them. You know what but, the funny uh, thing is to me is a non-save reliever who's absolutely awesome is invisible to everybody except fans of that specific team. Yep. Unless they're doing something ridiculous like Devin Williams did for the, for the Brewers last year where he was striking out like three, two and a half batters an inning or something. But, but yeah, but anyway, so I digress. They went with Chatwood and then Romano in the first game of that series. And then in the second game, which was the, um, the, oh geez, I'm just totally losing my words here. Uh, the the Ryu start, they were able to go with Chatwood and then Cole because they added a couple runs, like you said, late against the bullpen to give themselves a little bit of an extra cushion and so that Romano didn't have to pitch in that game and could therefore finish this game. So well, the starting pitcher efficiency combined with the offense is very, very helpful. Now, to be fair, A.J. Cole was warming when that game was 2-1. <laughs> That's true. He was, but uh, he because was Jordan Romano the, so, had thrown twenty-eight pitches to four people. The previous, yeah, it was night. not efficient. 
but but I think it was also a strategic thing so they could have because there's no way Chatwood is going to be able to pitch in the third game. And their only two leverage relievers right now are Chatwood and Romano. So that way they could have one of them in the third game. But the two, but the extra runs gave them the cushion to be able to trust Cole and just let him go out there. Even I think he walked a leadoff hitter, but it didn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the amount of leverage relievers has gotten super low. But but again, the, the trickle-down effect of Ryu cannot be overstated. Uh, which, okay, slot number five in the rotation. The... Nate Pearson's wild ride, emphasis on wild. Um, what the heck was that, Josh? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of Kyle Drayback jokes floating around in, in, during that game. Uh, I was making them. I, I, look, I don't think he's Kyle Drayback. I think that's insane. Like he's, his stuff is way better, and he's never had the command problems that Drayback had. Drayback had, couldn't throw strikes in the minors. Um, but it was bad. I mean, he, he was missing all over the place he walked five and two and a third and in that game so he he got through the in the, it was the first inning i believe where he was getting in all kinds of trouble and he uh he, he went round out walk fly ball single fly ball okay so that wasn't that bad it was the second inning they went walk walk out out single walk in a run out and it's just like, oh, okay. Like he got out of it with only one run, even though he walked three guys in the inning. And then it was like, okay, let's see if he can write himself. And then he went out and he went, he got out and they went walk triple single. It's like, okay, he just does not have it today. He is trying a new mechanic thing to ease his, I don't know, I guess make it not as injury prone. We should have asked Mike's son about that, but, you know, we didn't. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I think he just needed more minor league time, but they needed to see if they could just get someone to start that game. I think that the stunning part for me was to watch him go from 100 miles an hour with occasional control lapses to like, and, and, I mean, so it, it would be 97 to 100 miles an hour to go to 94 to 97 miles an hour with even less idea where it's going. Like, I tweeted it out and someone responded, this is the worst trade in the history of trades ever. And I'm like, yeah, like you fixed, quote unquote, your mechanics and you lost both velocity and accuracy. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> um, I think he just needs to get used to them. I'm, I'm sure he'll come back throwing hard, throwing more strikes, but he just needs some time down in the minors to right the ship a little bit. Well, yeah, because it, it was just like you're not going to be able to rear back and, and blow away a guy with 100 if you need it now because you've done whatever you've done. So what is your alternative here to get the out? Oh, you don't have one. Okay. Also, to all of you on Twitter going, why is he nibbling? That's not how nibbling works. <laughs> he was not No, nibbling. I mean, I saw someone. It was I think it was Ed Chi, who's one of the great Blue Jays Twitter people with his drawings. Are, they're incredible. And he was thinking that maybe Pearson wasn't walking hitters in the minors because they would chase his stuff. And then these major league hitters aren't. Nobody was chasing this stuff in that game. <laughs> he was not missing by inches. He was missing by feet. Yeah, there was some really, really bad stuff. Even on the, it's one of those where the game day graphic has it over the guy's head, and you're like, ooh, ooh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like the thing is about games like that. It's just like you know he's not that, so you just kind of have to toss it aside and just hope he can just get used to things down in the minors. Yeah, but you definitely don't want to put him out there against Major League Hitting again because you, you could be sacrificing a very important win in two and a third innings, uh, you know, second time around. So hopefully those new mechanics sort themselves out sooner rather than later. 
in the meantime, is Anthony Anthony K the fifth starter? And can Anthony K get more than like three and a third innings into a game? Like, do we believe this? I mean, I, I've been one of the high people on Anthony K all the time, but he's not making it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is real in Anthony K fan club land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. It, they, they need help. Um, you know, I, I, there, obviously there's been all these calls for Alec Manoa, who we talked about, it, like if he keeps doing it down in the minors after that 12 strikeout performance his first time, he gave up one hit in six innings the second time. <laughs> Struck out five. Didn't give up any runs, walked one yeah. or something, or walked nobody. Two. Like walked walk two. Walk yeah. two. Oh no, um, yeah. I I have a feeling I, because they sent Nate Pearson down so quickly that we see Nate Pearson before we see Alec Manoa. So there was an interesting. Ross Atkins was there for that start. He was watching in person. Hmm. Uh, I don't think he's coming up to make the next start through the rotation. I I, I would be shocked if that happens. But if he does this two more times, <laughs> like, how do you keep him down if he does it two more times with just destroying minor AAA teams? I, I don't think you can. No, I don't either. But I think if Nate Pearson has a good start, a solid start in AAA, and they figure out whatever the heck was disastrously wrong with him, I think maybe he gets the, the one more kick at the can before Manoa. I don't. I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be one or the other. I think that. When Pearson's up, the next time he's up, he's going to be up. Like they're not—they're going to make sure he's ready to stay up, even if he has a bad start. Yeah. Um, like the idea is that the rotation, Ross Stripling's good start today, notwithstanding, would be Ryu, Ray, Pearson, Matts, and then Manoa if he comes up. And then we'll get into the whole how many innings can whoever throw later. All right, are we ready to move to the most important and pressing statistics tracking that we do here at Artificial Turf Wars? Oh, I think it's time. All right. Is Danny Jansen an automatic out? Uh, I I came up a few weeks ago and I said, you know what? Danny Jansen, not even a few weeks ago, what, two weeks ago? Uh, Danny Jansen is no longer an automatic out. And you were like, yeah, he still sucks. I'm like, yes, but. (laughs) (laughs) But. He's not an automatic out. Uh, he broke an 0 for 35. He hit some home runs. Since our last podcast, how many times has Danny Jansen been an out versus how many times has he gotten on base? So since our last podcast, he has come to the plate 12 times and gotten out 10. So not automatic is what you're saying. Not automatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I set the bar where I set the bar, especially since yeah. the last time I looked, Reese McGuire had like a 300 average and an 800 OPS in very limited action. Yeah, Reese McGuire is up to 375 with a 500 on base and the 375 slugging because they're all singles, but it's only 10 plate appearances. Still, took took Danny Jansen like 40-something at bats to get three hits. And, and he's not, you know, he's not catching Reese anytime soon at this rate. Uh, yeah, so... Just shy of automatic out. Maybe next week you will get to tell me that Danny Jansen is once again an automatic out, especially if Reese takes some of his playing time. Yeah, so we're going to keep this feature going until Danny Jansen, <laughs> we can't even consider the question. <laughs> I still think he's going to get there, but I'm less confident. <laughs> All right. Injury update. There was the, it came from the team as like, hey, here's every, everything that's going on with everybody and got tweeted out. You, I believe you have Arden's Wellings 
tweets, but there there were multiple beat reporters who had the same tweets on the same day that it was like, oh my God, uh, this is like every nick, scrape, ding, pull, and, and uh, broken bone in the organization. So... What's going Except on? Except David Phelps, like for some, he was he wasn't on there some for some reason. But still, I think it was yes. pending MRI. I think that's why because he didn't have the MRI uh, yet. Uh, fair enough. So the big one, big ones. The first, <laughs> They're Thomas all, Hatch. All big. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. <laughs> Thomas Hatch is scheduled to have thrown two to three innings in a sim game today. We're recording this on Thursday. I, the results of that have not been posted anywhere. That's huge. If Thomas Hatch can be back, if he's at two to three innings in a sim game, he's looking at, I don't know, three weeks, two weeks from being back. I didn't mention him in that rotation group, but he'd be really nice in it. Yeah, even even to piggyback on someone if things are going badly, you know, or vice versa, someone to piggyback on him. That's true. If you're using Anthony K to get three, four innings, like Thomas Hatch could be doing that in 10 days. Um and then Springer is taking batting practice, and he's going to do. And he did some running today. He was going to do it Wednesday, but there, there was rain on the field, so they're like, "No, nah, we're not doing that." <laughs> uh, chances? No, we don't take those anymore. Yeah, and then uh, Dolis threw, is throwing a bullpen Friday, so if he's throwing, if he's throwing a bullpen, they they expect he's going to be okay. Patrick Murphy threw a bullpen. He's oh, going to yeah, throw another one. Like, I mean, Patrick Murphy, we're talking about all these relievers that have been awesome. He, I think he's going to be a great relief pitcher. His He throws 98 with a, just a wipeout curveball. Um, but he's just never, ever, ever been able to stay healthy. So, and his, like, well, and also get that one point where his relief, his windup was ruled illegal. But uh, if he can get back and health, be healthy, then it'd be great. And I'll all just right. run through the rest of these quickly. Yep. Anthony Castro still has some tightness. Hope they cl- the club hopes to throw a bullpen this weekend. Panic taking ground balls. Merriweather has begun his throwing progression. He's just playing long toss, and Alejandro Kirk has been hitting off a key off a tee. Kirk's on the sixty day IL, so and so is Merriweather. So it's like they expect both guys to be back when their time is up, but it's not coming soon. No, there's like we're talking July, I believe, for Kirk. So yeah. in mid June for Merriweather. Yeah. So relax. Don't rush it. See how it goes. Okay. Speaking of relax, uh, rushing it and seeing how it goes, that's what we're going to do with this podcast. We're going to come back with an interview with Dr. Mike Sutton, and uh, we're going to talk to him about the wondrous pro play AI that he has been developing right after this. Designed to enlighten me When I tell them that I'm doing fine Watch your shadows on the wall Don't you miss the big time, boy, you know We would, once again, be very happy to welcome Dr. Mike Sun to Artificial Turf Wars, a uh, yearly uh, visitor down to our humble little podcast. Welcome back. It's always a pleasure, guys, and, uh, and good to, to join you on the day that the Blue Jays have won again. Yes, uh, won a game, won a series, won a season series. Uh, can we stop here? Is that allowed? Can we just stop? <laughs> <laughs> the end. We hit the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's only uh, it's only shattered dreams after this. So let's uh, let's stay happy. Let's let's stay on the up and up. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, well, for those of you who do not recall, uh, the first time uh, we encountered Doctor Mike was uh, I, I know the internet has its Doctor Mike. I like having my own Doctor Mike. So Doctor Sun uh, was, I believe, <laughs> regarding fatigue units. 
Stuff uh, we, metric. Oh, is a stuff metric then fatigue uh, units? Stuff. Yes. And then, and then most recently, you educated us about your newest venture, which was then called Pitch AI and is now called Pro Play AI. Could you review for the nice folks at home what this tool uh, does and what it means for people out in the uh, the baseball world? So this is likely like kind of like getting uh, getting ahead of myself a little bit. So our company is called Pro Play AI. And we have multiple products, one of which is Pitch AI, uh, which is the thing that I'm getting ahead of because we also are launching a hitting solution and a movement screening solution coming up. So Pitch AI is our first product, and it's a biomechanics assessment tool uh, that can be used directly from your cell phone. So you don't need to go into a lab or uh, get sensors on your body or anything like that. Um, and we've actually partnered with uh, with our very own Nate Pearson. Uh, he's kind of bringing the players' perspective, and we've uh, we've been in market for a little over a month, two months now. Uh, it could be longer than that, but time uh, time is really flying. So it's uh, we're learning a whole lot about how people move, and you know we I think we've got five major league teams now are are on board, and it's uh, it's really exciting times. So this cool. comes to comes to people who are you know who are pitchers right now in in the form of an app on their phone. It does. So uh, you can go on the app store. Um, well, actually, you go to pitchai.proplayai.com and you can sign up, and it'll give you the link to to download. Um, and anybody can go out and you know throw in their backyard and, and get a full biomechanics assessment, see how much stress is on their arm and their stride length, and and all kinds of stuff like that. So the last time we spoke, you were still, I might have even been pre-beta testing. I remember actually it was part of the beta testing group. But uh, what, where, where has it gone since? Like what, what has changed since you first launched? What have you learned essentially? Yeah, I mean, we've learned a lot about how users like to interact with, uh, with mobile applications, which is uh, always the exact opposite way that you design them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've done a lot of error catching. Um, we've done some really exciting stuff recently to make our models work better for, for youth athletes. Um, and if anybody wants to, to follow them on Instagram or Twitter, the Whitby 11 U team, uh, posted some really, really cool stuff about how they're using biomechanics data to help develop their arms, you know, at, at 11 years old, which is, is super exciting. Um, We've uh, we've added a, a bunch more science under the hood. Uh, we're basically replicating what you would get in a uh, a full marker based lab, which is you know a half million dollar setup. Um, we've done a bunch of testing with our major league uh, friends to uh, to see how we compare against other systems. So we're building in tons of redundancy, just making sure this works for everybody and and it gives people the best data that they can uh, they can get from their phone. So uh, I am curious, what is the, uh, obviously the AI part, but what is the secret ingredient here that lets you um, get so much information and, and reliable information without all of the setup that's been traditionally required to get an accurate biometric assessment? Uh, like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the, the secret ingredient is just like a ton of work that's that's gone into it. Um, where I would say things really changed in the past maybe five years or so is that it got quite a bit easier to uh, to do what we call pose estimation. Um, and you can see it with like Apple. They've got, 
you know, in iOS 14, they've got uh, those things where you can, uh, you know, film your body and it puts a skeleton or a, a giant robot over top of you or, or something like that. Um, it does those types of things. And that has come a long way in a very, uh, very short amount of time, um, particularly in the last little, little bit, like, you know, five years or so. Now, that is really, really good for people who want to um, to do things like animation or, you know, play a game. It hasn't been very good for science. And what we've been able to do is kind of pair um, what we're doing with our uh, with this kind of simple approach, uh, train a new neural network, which is based off of gold standard 3D data, and come up with uh, with this solution that that delivers the data um, in a in a format that looks like you would expect from um, out of a lab or out of a Kinetrax or a Hawkeye system, you know, something like that. Very cool. Um, so how uh, how has it been received? It sounds like you've got a few people on board. When you show this tool to people, um, the response has been been positive. How far have you been able to get into you know the baseball? Uh, world or the you know major league baseball professional world with this so we've got five major league teams right now that are using it uh including our our beloved toronto blue jays and uh you know we did a lot of stuff with them last year particularly at the alternate site so you know making sure those guys were ready uh ready to go when they were getting called up or um you know we saw a lot of flurry of videos around trade deadlines and and things like that so we were you know, working really closely with them, um, you know, both on the scouting front, on the player development front, and on, uh, you know, the internal health and, and wellness of their pitching staff. Um, the other four teams that, you know, we can't really disclose, but, uh, you know, they, it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting because we've worked with athletic therapists. Um, we've worked with, like, the hardcore analysts. Uh, we've worked with the sports science teams. It's, uh, it's very interesting to see how all these different organizations are are applying biomechanics data in in different lights, which is really why we set out to to design this in the first place. Yeah, that, that's actually really interesting. And you, you know, you mentioned that you were at the alternate site, or you had your app at the alternate site. Was it basically just like the coaches were using it, or someone from the from the health and or the high performance department or something would just film it and then send it to you guys for analysis, or how did that work? Uh, so the first um, the first kind of time we were trying things out with the Jays was uh, when we had the bullpen coach, you know, uploading videos, and that was either at the alternate site, uh, it was in Rochester, or that was um, that was at uh, Rogers Center during uh, during that brief summer camp before the season got started. And what we um, what we were finding is, you know. We were getting lots of great data, and they wanted to do something a little bit more serious. So at the alternate site, they kind of fixed some set cameras. And from those cameras, uh, you know, they were collecting basically, I wouldn't say every pitch, but close to every pitch that all their guys threw in, in their alternate site performances. So we had tons of data to work through and, and some really exciting stuff that came out of it. So. When that happens, like, do, are you doing the analysis and giving a report back, or are they looking at your data that you provide and then generating their own assessments, essentially? So it, it kind of works both ways, right? And this is a little bit of what I was saying earlier with like all those different departments. I kind of feel like biomechanics right now is almost where ball tracking was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, maybe eight years ago. So people knew that spin rate was important, but they didn't really know what to do with it. 
um, once they once they obtained it. So where we kind of got off to with with this biomechanics stuff was we would do a lot of really close uh, examinations and, and meetings with with the pro teams where uh, if they didn't have a dedicated biomechanist on site, they were kind of picking our brain to say, what are some of the key things you're looking for? Or, you know, a lot of us in biomechanics aren't really used to looking at like just massive, massive data sets. So there's a lot of collaborative work at first. And uh, that was actually really exciting. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of this writing, but not a lot of real close contact with uh, with the the pro teams. And it's been a really fun part of this. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. And then, for, you know, for the non-pro aspect, you, you've also launched sort of biomechanics lessons on your site. How did that? What was the inspiration for that? Were people just sort of confused how to use the app, essentially? Yeah, and I mean it, it's definitely in line with like what we were just talking about there. Um, this is like a totally new uh, technology. Uh, there are not a lot of. Um, a lot of people that are uh, are used to getting biomechanics data get, and while they all know that it's important, and you know you see that through people like you know Kyle Bodie at Driveline, he's really popularized it, and they all know that this is something they need to look into. They're not exactly sure what to do with it, so we wanted to create a uh, just a way of getting some basic information into people's hands so that they could use the app and feel totally comfortable that they weren't misinterpreting data or, you know, they were like missing some big red flag. Um, so it's been really, really, um, really successful. I know there's been people from, you know, my mom was my little league coach, uh, and, and she took it. Um, you know, we've seen tons of major league, uh, people take it. We've seen a bunch of people from, from overseas and, like uh, in the Japanese league, the Korean league. So it's covered every, every level of skill and every level of interest. Uh, people have, have taken that, uh, that, that training course. Awesome. That's that truly super awesome. Cool. Uh, so and we, would, anybody can take it. You guys can take it too. <laughs> Everybody it's free and every, anyone who wants it, they, they can, they can give it a shot. So we, um, you you obviously have been able to allude to any of the specific results because um you know people are are interested in keeping their own data however um someone very near and dear to the podcast has undergone an analysis uh with your program and uh, as i understand it this person uh is going to allow us uh unfettered access to the data that you have uh, have drawn from it uh, a certain mr Housem who tends to be injury prone on the mound um you know just one injury <laughs> just one just a one career ending injury besides that um so yeah you do have some film of josh uh loaded into the system you you performed a you know the most up-to-date analysis what you know what would someone get as an example using josh as an example what would someone get from this this uh this program so you know what's funny it's like looking at josh's analysis it's almost like you could have predicted the exact thing that uh, that we're looking at long before uh you even uploaded the video so when we look at like some of the numbers there there's certain things that we look at that are in the vein of, um, you know, like arm speed. Um, there, uh, there's efficiency, which is your arm speed divided by how much stress is on the elbow. And, you know, there's another one called sequencing, which is just how well you use your lower half and, and generate uh, energy to, to move it up, up the kinetic chain. And what we see with Josh is that he really uses that kinetic chain well. You know, his, his pelvis rotates, then his trunk rotates. 
then his arm goes. Um, <laughs> this is just funny because I'm looking at this and like, Josh, you're just going to like be like, yeah, I know that's completely true. Um, <laughs> his, his, his arm speed is good, but he has a ton of stress on his arm. Oh. And has, has almost... <laughs> Uh, almost no uh, shoulder mobility. So. <laughs> this sounds this sounds correct. <laughs> so, you know, it, the lower half with Josh, like he's got the one metric we always look at is called this uh, this hip to shoulder separation, which is just how much you can disconnect your lower half from from your upper half. And you know, Josh is he looks great there. Um, his uh, his. Uh, his hip to shoulder separations, it, really, really good. It's like, you know, over 50 degrees, which is in our like uh, high to, to elite range. But his external rotation on his shoulder is like 110 degrees, which is like, like minuscule. <laughs> so it's like the body is going, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And then all of a sudden the arm goes, uh, no, no, thank you. I have no interest in doing what you're, <laughs> you're asking of me here. So uh, this is evidence, then- by the way, of how good your product is, because <laughs> all of the stuff that was there was allowing me to throw very hard before my shoulder went. <laughs> and now the arm just doesn't want to work. But it, it's, this is this is 100 percent how I feel when I pitch. <laughs> you. you know. You know, we 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 do things like analyze our our validity um, by comparing our numbers against uh, you know the the marker based motion capture system or you know these these million dollar systems with a bunch of PhDs sitting around. But then sometimes the validity just works out because you go, hey, Josh's arm is totally screwed, but he, it's clear he used to do this and do it well. But my God, that arm is just a disaster now. And you go, okay, yeah, this is working well. <laughs> Product's working good. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. No, it's, <laughs> you know what? It's nice to have confirmation sometimes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a case of ball don't lie, I, I think, a little bit there. <laughs> I could throw really well, except for my arm, is one of the saddest statements that I've, uh, I've ever put together. In my head. <laughs> so yeah, if, uh, we'll, we'll make sure you have the link, and you can uh, you can share that around with uh, with everybody, and 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 uh, if you want to uh, bask in your sadness with uh, with the loyal listeners of Artificial Turf Wars, then uh, you know they can they can have at it. <laughs> so I, I I do have to ask this. I don't. I think I know the answer. I think Josh already knows the answer. Knowing what's wrong, is there any hope for Josh knowing that he actually has a, an arm injury at this point? So, you know, this is like one of the things that we get asked all the time. And um, and even in the current state of pitch AI, you know, it's like, hey, how can we, uh, how can, wh- what do I do next? Well, there's a lot of different things that go into being successful at pitching, right? And, you know, when we start looking at some of our numbers, uh, it actually can get a little bit kind of cloudy because we look at so many elite level throwers that there's not a lot of differences between, you know, these guys all throwing 95. In a lot of cases, when we look at youth athletes or athletes in different forms of development, where the challenge lies is not in their pitching mechanics. Um, and even our, the research has shown, if you look at, uh, you know, how a, uh, a youth athlete throws compared to a major leaguer, like the, there's minor differences. The biggest difference is that major league pitchers are really, really strong and really, really mobile. 
and like you see it all the time with those like still frame shots of them you know moving their arms in just ungodly positions um in josh's case he would need to gain that range that range of motion back and be able to move very freely because you know if his shoulder was in good shape uh looking at what we've seen from his lower half like that's how you generate velocity right um and, and he'd be in a great position to do that. So uh, one bionic shoulder, that should probably do the trick. And, uh, and Josh will be back, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be throwing at, uh, at men's league in no time. Easy fix, we can rebuild Josh. him. We have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I would like to. I, I was going to so, say, unfortunately, I, I have no uh, control over robot shoulders, uh, which is just an overall disappointment. Useless. Yeah, with, I'm sure within eight to ten years we'll ask again. Um, I would like to thank you very, very much, uh, Dr. Mike Sun, for coming back on the show. It has been a really good time. I think we've all learned a lot, uh, not just about Josh's shoulder. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at Dr. Mike Sun, or I'm sure uh, attached to the uh, biomechanics report that Josh will be uh, posting in uh, in no time. And the uh, <laughs> the the main url for you for your website again it is proplayai.com all right folks if any of this stuff interested you please do check it out uh the good doctor has been most forthcoming with us and most helpful um and is uh you know always always a pleasure to have him on and uh hopefully maybe we'll talk to you again this season if uh if there's something comes up that's in your wheelhouse absolutely would love it imagine like something happened and like we could actually like meet each other in person like in august or september and have a beer and watch a baseball game josh like that, that would be amazing <laughs> that would just be absolutely amazing all right thank you for coming by and we will talk to you again soon all right thanks guys And we are back and better than ever now that Josh knows that uh, he's just one one replacement part away from resuming his career. You know that was oddly reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> You're like all my other parts aren't broken. You well, know. it's just like the thing yeah. that I thought was wrong is what's wrong, and the rest of it, I still know what I'm doing. I just my body <laughs> won't let me do it. Fair enough. Uh, what your brain's going to do, though, is uh, let you answer some questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, shall we begin with the forgotten question? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, what, says Ask Minor Leaguer, at minor underscore leaguer, who has been part of Jay's Twitter since I joined it a hundred years ago. Um, what are your top five dumbest rules? So five is hard to get to, but I'll, I'll give you the, my the, the ones that I think are the are the are the dumbest. I'll give you three. Okay, the first one is the idea that like if you hit a runner running up the first base in fair territory, that he's out and be, because he's like supposed to run outside the foul lines. That's not a direct line to the <laughs> – if you're a right-handed batter 
to to run in that box, you have to like run on an angle and then go up to the base, which is the slowest way to get to the base. It's the dumbest rule ever, and it should never have been put in to begin with. If your throw hits the runner, it's your own damn fault. And this is coming from a pitcher. Um, I would, I, I would, I can give you two weird rules that I think are dumb because someone actually had to write them down. Um, if a ball gets lodged in an umpire's mask or paraphernalia, the runner shall receive first base. On... Uh, mine, one of my three was going to be similar to that. <laughs> uh, is, does it involve removing a piece of equipment and throwing it at a baseball? It does. <laughs> well, I'm glad we Go agree ahead. on you can, some you can do it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you... it's just the, uh, <laughs> it, it, there's a rule that if you use, you take your hat or your glove off and use it to get the ball. Like if you throw your glove at the ball or you try to catch a ball with your hat, it's three bases. The very arbitrary three bases is my favorite part. The dumb part of that rule to me. It's the it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, two things about that one. One, if you take your hat off and catch a ball with it, that's freaking awesome. You deserve the out for that. It's insanely stupid, but it's, it's tough. It's a lot harder than using your glove. The one I always wanted to see, though, if there's like a low-flying home run ball, I see a guy chuck his glove up at it to try and knock it and save it for a triple. Yeah. That would be awesome. Absolutely awesome. Okay. Uh, my next dumb rule, and I don't think there's any fixing this, but it's like you can put whatever the heck you want in foul territory, even in a major league stadium, and it's all in play. How, yeah. how is that even allowed? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Well, I just remind the, the ultimate example of that was the pole that was in center field in Houston. In a new stadium. Yeah, it was built like that on purpose. <clears throat> like, I don't think it, people maybe forget that a lot of old stadiums like the Polo Grounds in New York uh, or Fenway, the reason these dimensions were weird is either A, they were not originally intended as baseball fields in the first place, or B, literally the streets that they were built in between prevented the ballpark from obtaining anything resembling normal dimensions. Right, exactly. And now people just do weird for the sake of weird. Yeah. All right. Do you have another weird rule? Because that would bring us to five together. This one isn't so much weird as it is just stupid. Like the original dumbest rules was the question. Okay. That, I'll, I'll start by asking you a question. What is the spirit behind the Bach rule? Um, well, the spirit of the Bach rule is that the pitcher shouldn't be deceiving the runner, which Correct. is interesting. So why is it a Bach if you drop the ball on the mound? <laughs> deceived by that <laughs> who but starts the, running to second as soon as you drop the ball no it's but it's like no you've not fooled anybody with that it's not a you're not trying to like do a hitch in your delivery to throw off timing or not pausing you just drop the ball why is that a buck instead of just nothing uh yeah i, I i'm also fascinated by any any buck called where you have committed to to the plate um and something goes wrong and you fail to deliver the ball like you trip on your shoelace or you knock your hat off and it lands in front of you and you get distracted or whatever else in what situation would the runner by the time you've done that in what situation would the runner not have already made his decision about what he was doing yeah, that's just a corollary of the one I did. <laughs> There's no runner deception going on here. <laughs> so, yes. Bach rules are all dumb, though. I mean, yeah, you get right it is a pretty much a universal truth. 
Uh, okay, so minor leaguer, we know it took us from ten days to answer that question, but we tried to give you something. Uh, L at Ellie Yelly Hart asks: While injuries seem to be up across the board, the Jays have had outstanding achievement in the field um, or on the field. Given all the press the last few years about revamping training and conditioning, any thoughts on whether that may have backfired or been detrimental? You want to try it? I have no idea. That I, was my answer, too. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> That's the, why I gave it to you. <laughs> the nebulous field that is sports medicine, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but I also really don't know because I would have thought by now the value of preventing an injury is so high that enough resources would have been devoted to it to actually make an impact. And like, that's what Mike's son is doing. And obviously as came up in an interview, the Jays are taking part in it, but you know, it's, it's still a long road to go, especially pitchers. Pitchers just get hurt. And then you just got to hope that they don't stay hurt essentially. Uh, Matt Thomas at Thomas Matt C asks, uh, Baraki hurt question answered. Oh, is he now he officially was, he, hurt? Uh, so, yeah, so Ryan Barucki, um, he, he had the fatigue. He was going to ask that question about that. And then people were tweeting about, the, about it anyway. So it's like, oh, I guess my question's answered. But, you know, this is, again, the Jays playing fast and loose with the, uh, with the public's trust on injuries. So he has not pitched since the 8th. Um, 7th. 7th. It is the 13th. But he's fine. Just, just yeah, he wore... He, well, and he warmed up in the first game of that Brave series um, and didn't pitch. And then the next day, it was Travis Bergen was the savior for if Cole got, fell into trouble. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> and then he was unavailable because of fatigue or or something today. Your best left-hander familiar. in the bullpen. The best left-hander in your bullpen is fatigued after not actually pitching on a major league mound for six days. It's fine. Yeah, and now we can actually answer the question that he asked. Yeah, talk me out of my somewhat faith in him and belief that his... Oh, oh, AJ Cole, sorry. So I will pivot to AJ Cole. Talk me out of my somewhat faith in him and belief that his taxi squad role was more 40-man based. Also, Chatwood, who knew? A couple of tweaks and he's lights out. Uh, so, so AJ Cole, serviceable reliever, right? Yeah, I mean, he's not... He's not a guy that you should be expecting to be pitching in the ninth inning of save situations very often. Uh, he's fine. Uh, they just had a bunch of guys who were fine and they, they didn't go to Cole until he was hurt. Not it, yes, partially because of 40 man reasons, but also because they like the other guys more, I think. Uh, and Chatwood has Chatwood. What, what is the magic for Chatwood that suddenly he's, he's one of the best relievers in baseball. Well, he's mostly just throwing fastball cutter, which is, you know, he's simplifying the repertoire, but even though he's a really good curveball, um, I don't know. He he didn't walk as many guys out of the pen with the Cubs either. I think it's just he cleaned up a little bit. I mean, he was great with the Rockies, which is not a thing you say about too many pitchers. And you know, like the everybody knew that he had this in him, and that's why the Cubs gave him all that money. Uh, so it's just he's found it at the moment. I mean, it's possible it could all just go to hell the next time he takes the mound, but. Yeah, right. Enjoy it while it lasts. And uh, Kevin Chase Four, Kevin uh, with the Scooby Doo avatar, asks us how many home runs, and we're going to be tracking this. Obviously, will Danny Jansen hit with Bryce Harper's bat in the upcoming series against the Phillies? Which is obviously a nod to uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, ending up with was it Acuna's bat? Yeah, or, yeah. With uh, I think Ronald, it was. 
I can't. I don't think it was Ozzy Albies. I think it was Ronald Acuna's uh, bat. Um, it is. It is quite the flex to take the bat from the opposite bench, get your hands on one, and then hit a dinger against that team. It's pretty great, actually. <laughs> so I think Danny um, Jansen could probably hit two. You know, but he won't because <laughs> he's pretty much an automatic <laughs> out. No, no, he's not an automatic out. <laughs> no, he's just not going to hit two with Bryce Harper's bat. Fair, tough, but fair. Uh, we're going to quickly run over to Gold Starland as soon as I remember what number I placed Gold Star under. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a Gold Star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. Yeah. Um, not only did he steal a bat from the opposite dugout, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Helped Jordan Romano today by <laughs> by joining in a little bit of I mean I think imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and I think uh, if Romano's a little off his rhythm the probably the best thing he could have is someone else imitating several of his quirky wind up uh, what are, squats shimmies shuffles whatever you want squats, to call them squats squats his his lineup squats uh, or sorry his wind up squats just to help him out. And so, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., while playing first base, obliged. <laughs> it's a great gif of this. That This just... went viral. Uh, I've seen videos. I've seen the Major League Baseball, the cut or whatever, the whatever their current thing is for highlights uh, account. It, it is Tough everything work. that is great about baseball. It is. Like, he's, Vlad is having fun. And that's pretty much all he knows how to do, which is great. It's it, it, You can't not smile when you see that. Yeah. Uh, were Jordan Romano left-handed and Vlad doing that? I think probably there'd be some problems. <laughs> that would be even funnier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Vlad is trying to figure out how the timing mechanism works, obviously. And he's, he's testing it out himself, even to the point of bringing the hands together in the glove before the squat. It's priceless. Come on and get your gold star, Vlad. You absolutely deserve it for having that much fun uh, while being out there in the field. Okay. This has been a very information-dense podcast, my friend. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to put one more piece of information into it with a final thought. Do you have something for me today? I do. Just before I quickly get to it, though, it was interesting. The last pitch of the game today, Romano didn't do his squat. He just came set and then pitched and he got a strikeout looking. I like that. It's like it's That's a long just con, a man. That's a really yeah, long exactly. con. <laughs> no one's going to be able to steal on from anymore because he's just going to do that. Um, yeah, so we talked about some of those guys coming back from injury and AJ Cole being on the roster now. So Murphy is on the 60-day IL. Merriweather's on the 60-day IL. Kirk is on the 60-day IL. It'll be very interesting to see how the Jays handle some of these roster spots when guys coming back, especially though, like Murphy, if he's back soon, yeah, they can send him straight to the minors, but they have to give up roster spots. So like they're going to, there's a crunch that could be coming soon. And it'll be, you know, like one of those good problems kind of, but it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. I'd just like to say, I'm glad nobody picked up Reese McGuire on waivers when they sent him through at the end of spring training. Yeah, so uh, on that note, did you just keep pinch hitting for Reese McGuire with Danny Jansen? 
like Mubar is hitting well in his 10 plate appearances, so it's not quite the case. But like, if you're going to do that, if you don't trust him to hit better than Danny Jansen right now, shouldn't Riley Adams be up? <laughs> What's going on? These are strange questions, uh, which I don't think we'll ever get a clear answer to. Um, speaking of guys you do or don't pitch hit for, Shohei Otani starts for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim these days, and he is... Uh, Quite the thing, because his last start, I believe he what, struck out 10, walked one, seven innings. He was doing so well that instead of removing him, they put him in right field after his seven innings of work so they could keep his bat in the lineup. It was so cool. That, I mean, I think we all wish that every team had one two-way player like that. I think that would just be amazing, and it would make the argument against the universal DH maybe tougher to say that, you know, there were enough talented players who could literally do everything. But a healthy Shohei Otani is such a freak of nature uh, that it's just amazing that neither he nor Mike Trout can drag that team out of the doldrums. Yeah, I just want to say something about that, by Shohei Otani is the argument for the Universal DH. Because the Universal DH doesn't... Like Shohei Otani doesn't exist without the DH because he doesn't get to hit every day because no team is going to put a guy in the field and risk his arm if he's not if he's one of their best pitchers. Yeah. So without the DH, there's no Otani. Yeah, there there is no there is no player who plays right field four days and starts on the fifth. That's exactly nobody. Can if there's universal DH it, back in the day, Babe Ruth would never have given up pitching. Uh yeah, he would he would have been a two way player forever. All yep. right. So, uh, you, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and our guest was uh, Dr. Mike Sun at Dr. Mike Sun, and this was Artificial Turf, I do that every so often, don't I? Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 204, and we will talk at you next week. <laughs>